Many of you know that the phrase, love is the author, came from an ayahuasca ceremony that I sat in seven years ago, where I died, transcended that death, and then heard, love is the author of all, ring out of the dark. The medicine spoke, said that to me, and I've been changed forever. The Onaya, or medicine man, who presided over that ceremony has been very private. His name is Metza. We're listening to him right now. It's an honor to host Metza. This is his first podcast, the resource for Amazonian plant spirit medicine. Residing over those ceremonies, preparation, and what it's like to apprentice, and a global vision that Metza has for us all. I wanted to know how someone born in France ended up in the Amazon for 10 years. Metza's music can be found wherever you find music. His record contact is otherworldly. of digital mentorship that he is offering currently. You can find all the links in the show notes of this episode for everything Metza. Were you born in France? I was born in Paris, you know, uh, in 68. And, and, and my family of origin is very kind of petite bourgeoisie, grand bourgeoisie. You oh, know, really? French. My dad was a businessman. Uh-huh. So I grew up where the value system has nothing to do with spirituality coming from indigenous people or <laughs> psychedelics are a doorway to connect with invisible and learn about human pathologies or healing methods at all. Uh, so it's interesting. My my culture of origin is very far away to what I've dedicated my life to. I was wondering if you could give us sort of a depiction of what, since you've you've lived in America long enough to be able to study us and our culture, and I wonder if you can decipher the difference between French culture and American culture. Well, first of all, now I'm an American citizen, and I'm very proud to be an American citizen. I think there is something... Uh, very special about America is really the sense of freedom. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of things that we can criticize about the American history. You know, the Native American Indians, the colonization, uh, you know, the whole situation with slave movement and yes. Africans and all that. That's, uh, and, and the race situation today uh, is just very difficult. Yet, when you come in America and you arrive here, there's a sense of a new beginning that is very much rooted in the culture. Mm. You're not being judged for who you are or the image to what you want to embrace or what you represent. The opportunities that arises are new and free. Mm. In France, at least, in the culture I was born in particular, you know, your name, your family, where were you born? It already identifies you and puts you in a certain box where you studied, uh, you know, how you dress, almost a racial thing. It's mm. almost like an education thing. It's much more racist in a way, you know, mm. much more discriminative, I found. Even though today I feel very confident in who I became in life and who I am, you know, and knowing myself, I know that I will go back to France and I will still be cut up 
mm. you know, and somehow I have to navigate that energy of judgment. So in comparison, I think those uh, Western European are much more uh, prisoner of their judgment ah. than uh, North American people in the United States. That is shocking. That is shocking to me. But it is my observation as, as someone, you know, there is also issues here that exist where it's harder for me to find authentic relationships. Yeah. You know, people are very nice and very cool, but it's not as deep. Ah. And over there, it's hard to actually get in. But once you're in, there's much more heart and much more depth it feels in the relationship. Wow. So, you know, there is all those different things in the cultures. Um, I love this. The energies involved in in what it's like for you to come here and feel that that opportunity to be able to discuss that and and say that as a conscious person you were able to feel the opportunity when you arrived here, as so many have. Who I mean, I think about what you're what you're attempting to do around the world and what you're aiming to do next in America. And I think about so many great teachers who have come over and felt that same potential here in America that you describe. And that's fascinating to me that, you know, someone who wasn't raised here can come here and feel that same thing that others have described and touched into. Yeah, yeah. It's very powerful, you know, and I think people are so mobile here. Huh. People can move from a region to the other. You know, and, and it's something that always shocks me a little bit. I mm. feel it's a little harder for me. So I'm someone who lived all over. Yeah. You know, I spent 15 years in Peru, four years in Colombia, one year in Brazil, now about 12 years in the U.S. And before that, in my youth, or in Europe and all around Europe, uh, traveled a lot, Eastern Asia. Also, people here are very easy in embracing new identities. Oh. And it could be also complicated in the authenticity of what they're becoming. Uh-huh. Especially in the movement today of psychedelics, you know, where people suddenly decide, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study psilocybin and I'm going to become a practitioner in psilocybin and then I'm going to decide that I'm a shaman in psilocybin and yeah. I'm going to buy the psilocybin t-shirt. Yeah. And the psilocybin hat, bro. And the psilocybin <laughs> necklace with the bead, yo. And then I'm going to have the, the psychedelic shoes, man. And I got the, the best, like, playlist, like the mushroom killer playlist, man. And I'm going to be the man, you know? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is so awesome to watch that, you know, and see how people are fully believing that they are. Yeah. And, and um,. <laughs> I don't operate myself so easily with that. And I, I think the authenticity and rooting the identity in authentic training that are connected to the lineage, language, and education that only comes through time. You know, yeah. time has the power that fashion your personality and energy yeah. when you really fully embrace a wisdom. Right. And that's something here that we can say that is lacking. Yes. Also. It feels like the less identity, the more wisdom springs forth naturally, you know, right. and we're hyper identified with finding some category to belong in, in this time of, uh, of everyone having a say finally in the categories of people who have been uh, denied or, or shunned, you know, for their individuality are now having voices and are having some power in the world. I'm finding that the fragmentation of it all 
is worrisome in that same regard. It's like we want everyone to have a voice, but at the same time, we're, it seems like we're moving away from the one, the interconnectedness that you focus on, that these paths and traditions that you've studied do. What's your feeling around all of that as you see these changes coming in the culture? I think it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Thank you so much for asking that question. It's a so important question to me because, you know, I found that I had to discover my identity and my path embracing a culture that is so different than mine, where somehow the language, the lineage, the wisdom uh, was non-separate from nature. Nature has a place, the recognition of nature as consciousness, nature as energy, nature as a language, and its presence as a living force uh, is somehow... Pro, uh, you know, in movement and in a reality that you have access to yes. and you can communicate with and you can use, you can uh, utilize to create connection, healing, transformation, elevation, guidance, yes. um, power yes. of sort. That in itself has fascinated me and it helped me anchor myself you know, in uh, orienting in this life. Right. And we are in this movement of fragmentation where many are needing and it's totally justified to be recognized with who they are and their identity. Yeah. And so through my own journey in embracing other cultures and discovering those languages and then with time integrating slowly this language within myself, I still struggled also in how to bring it all together. Wow, yeah. Because you can be rooted in a lineage and there is also a blind fold, there is a blind spot where suddenly this this particular lineage is the one. Mm. Oh, and and yes. so oh, I, found, I found home and then green is my color and everything turns green I have to tell the world that everybody has to dress in green because that's how we can connect you know, through the green, you know. <laughs> so being an ayahuasquero, when yeah. I started to drink ayahuasca in 96, and then I really find my teacher, master, that is a Shipibo indigenous healer, which is a tribe of the Amazon from the Ucayali River in the central south of Peru. I thought it was the only way to do it. Yeah. Then as I grew... Uh, in it, after 15 years, I discovered all the houses, all the groups, and all the ways to connect. You yeah, know, yeah, and it changed my relationship with it. Yeah, and I start to look also at all the traditions, and and because I walked different traditions, the Sundance tradition of the Lakota Sioux of North America, the Native American church that used peyote as a sacrament of the Navajo Nation, and I always thought there were some difficulties, there were some politics, there were some ego, spiritual ego, there was some struggle. So my idealization of the spiritual path yes. then, you know, came short. You found that in all these traditions? That, that in some, all the oh, tradition, yes. everywhere where there is a pyramidal structure where there is power yes. and humankind always messes up. Oh, yes, perfect. You know, because it's on nature as a dualistic, you know, we're, our ego, our ways. So how do we transcend that? Yes. To try to tie it up to your question around fragmentation. Lately, about 10, 12 years ago, I was in touch with a group of people studying consciousness in culture and the evolution of consciousness in language. 
And somehow, they, through exercise involving meditation and then dialogue, listening, they were able to activate a conversation where the point of focus was not my idea, my thinking, or the lineage I come from, but the space itself. Wow. So the fragmentation, yes. you know, is held in oneness. Wow. And, and it's, a, it's a realization that everyone can be with their own truth and come together in a circle. The point of focus is not you in your own truth. You have to be willing to let go that if you can trust that you're going to be seen for who you are, wow. whatever you want to be, whoever you want to be, and you engage with what's in between. Yes. And that demands a letting go. Yes. And listening to what emerges. Wow. So it's really a new way, a new language yes. of the collective as one. Yes. And uh, I believe in that capacity to listen, in that discovery, we need the lineage. We need the tradition of the psychedelics. We need the plant medicine. We need the spiritual wisdom because there is a fundamental acknowledgement of energy, earth, elements, right. directions, That's ancestors. Uh, that is so fundamental in our human condition. Yes, and it seems like in that, as we use these traditions or we learn about these traditions and we get rooted and foundationally in these systems, it needs us as much, it feels like, to evolve it in the ways that you're talking about, where the politics or the power structures of things can end up isolating traditions into their own fragmentation of the Great River. It's a very true and very complex, you know. I, as a white person, as a French Westerner, when I go drink ayahuasca in Peru with my brother, my Quechua's brothers that are descendants of the Chancas, uh, the Quechua speakers that are ayahuasquero in the upper Amazon rivers and the northeast of Peru, I sing with them. I understand their songs. I've learned their songs. I fasted with them in the forest. Mm. And yet... I will never be like them. Mm. And I know so. Mm. Because I was not born there. There is something that still will not fully be in. So I have a freedom they don't have. Mm -hmm. And they have a depth that I will never have. Mm. Also, it took me years to recognize that and understand that yeah. and navigate that. It took about 15 years of practice, mm. drinking maybe ayahuasca once or twice a week you know, and going on fast every month or every three months or every six months or twice a year to fully integrate the wisdom, the knowledge, the connections, the language. And I'm saying it here because we're searching a culture of fast acquisition. Yes. I'm going to do my three-month things and I'm going to become this. Now, it takes time. You can't beat time. Even though our culture is faster, we go faster and faster with technology. It still takes nine months to get bring a baby forward, you know. That's right. That's right. Into life. That's right. Know, that hasn't changed so far. Yeah, that's right. Do <laughs> something so, at least nine months passionately and grow something exactly. at least that to be in touch with your naturality, I imagine. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. There was a company that wants to develop a TV show around this show, 
and they wanted to do a year selling agreement. And I said, no, it takes nine months to grow a baby. Exactly what you just said. I was like, no, it takes nine months to grow a baby. And so let's go into this for a nine month term rather than a year term. Because at that point, I feel like we'll know and we'll be in touch with nature. And that's how that was a guiding principle of this business decision that I made. Amazing. It was amazing. It was incredible. (laughs) Thanks. It seems like, though, you and your authenticity sitting with the Shipibo and learning from them and then and seeing how you're different and yet you can learn and benefit from the same wisdom but you'll always be different that's you being your authenticity you know the Shipibo are an expression of authenticity I imagine it's just an authentic long-standing tradition that continues to yield you know right Right. And so that in itself, that's something that's very honest and it's itself. And then you, you're, you're, you have your life experience, but you study these traditions. But for you to be as authentic as the Shu people, you have to acknowledge your individuality in it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that difference is very important also to recognize your limitation, you know, and admit it. Yes. And their own limitation too. Wow. They're also somehow. Uh, prisoners of their own cultural context. Their relationship with evil and good uh-huh. is different than the one I grew up with. Yes. You know, I grew up in a Roman Catholic Christian subconscious environment. Yeah. So when I came to start to drink the medicine, I had to face this association when I was having a, a vision of something that looked evilish. Then suddenly I thought I was like dealing with the devil. Right. But it was my own perception that was informed by my cultural environment of origin. Right, right. But I had to untie that and then understand and go beyond that filter. Yeah. Because then you need a deeper context. Right. Metza, it's so refreshing. Um, you've studied, you've done all the things to be a part of this tradition, the Shipibo tradition, all these other traditions. And to hear you say that I'll never be like them, and to admit that, it immediately, I think, for some people who have trouble with the Westerner being a shaman, and for good reason, I mean, there's plenty of reason to be skeptical about someone born in Western culture um, adopting traditions of the East or wherever. But you to admit that here is, I feel like, an important bit of medicine for people to help understand that there is humility around the experience of being adopted into a, a tradition in South America. Yeah, really- yeah, and you know, it comes with time. I was not always like that. You know, at some point, my ego somehow so helped me. Yeah. And to make the choice to, oh, I, I feel I can become this. I feel it's my path. Yeah. And I had a very strong ego saying, no, I'm going to be a medicine person or I'm going to be uh, connected with those healing methods. They don't really use the term shamans, but it's a term that now is very common in our culture. What is the appropriate thing to refer to? Well, you know, if we really want to tie it up to the books, a shaman comes actually from a, a tribe, the salmon people. I think from the Ural and related to the Mongols mm. or the Tungus people, they use the drumming and they go into trance. And in their trance, they're capable in going into another world and bring information back to the human world or interpret or understand a problem. Yeah. 
the art of going into a trance that is induced through drumming. Incredible. That in itself is incredible. Yeah, no, know? and also incredible just to have this information that shaman is really just, its origin, it's from a very specific source and not just a medicine person. You have all those different traditions around the world. So in Peru, you talk more about an ayahuasquero or, you know, uh, an ayahuasquero vegetalista, someone who works with different plant medicine. Mm. And in the world also of plant medicine, you have ayahuasqueros, tabaqueros, toeeros, paleros, perfumeros, uh, people that are specialized in certain plants, people that are specialized in pulse diagnosis, like in Chinese traditional medicine. Yes, yes. People that fix your bones. Yeah. Um, and in this, uh, the school of ayahuasqueros, you have people that are in the Shipibo tradition, you have the Onaya. I'm an Onaya, meaning that I was graduate you know at gotcha. some point after five six seven years they graduate me as an onaya like a black belt uh-huh. and mostly <laughs> uh to do healing you know and use the ayahuasca to see the vision read the energy in the vision and be able to understand the pathology or the different shape and colors and forms in the journey that reflects the spiritual emotional physiological state of the participants. Yeah, yeah. That's an Onaya, and to interact with it through the songs, and you have the Igwe, and the Igwe is someone who has the capacity to take on any kind of magical darts and suck them out of the people through suctions. Wow. And then you have the Muraya. The Muraya is a very advanced elder who doesn't necessarily get into vision himself. He he calls on the spirit Uh that comes, it's almost like a possession, and comes through him and do the job. And so that's the three different grades for the Shipibo. And then you have also the dark arts that they believe in, witchers or sorcerers, and shitaneros, like they call them. And in the shitaneros, depending on what you study, what plant you study, what lineage, what kind of... Uh, songs you know and energy you work with most important what to say is to be a practitioner in those tradition in those lineage is um, it's a way of life yeah it's a lifestyle gotcha once you start and you take herbs because really it's not so much about ayahuasca today really ayahuasca and the conversation around ayahuasca is emerging Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about it, and it's an incredible medicine. The combination of the, uh, you know, the banisteriopsis and the psychotherapies and the DMT effect for uh, the serotonin uh, and the depression, people that are suffering a sense of separation, and the experience that it produces and uh, for addiction and clearing and all the different aspects in that medicine or in that plant is incredible. Yes. But when you train, you don't train with it. You train actually with all the plants. And you do what we call a dieta, which is a time where you go in isolation and you you go with no salt, no sugar. You don't see people. You're in the forest. You eat very little food. And you take a lot of plant. So slowly that plant energy, because with no salt, no sugar, becomes more in vibration with your own core. Yeah. And, And you're your energy can match nature energy. So you're most susceptible to receive 
that vibration, to hear the wind speaking, to, to feel the tree around, to you become one with nature, you know, yes. and I'm talking about weeks. Yes. Talking sometimes about months in that process. And you also go through a process of transformation and cleanse and connection with yourself. And you carry that energy of the plant in your body. So there's an embodiment aspect. Once you've done that through a certain period of time, you close that period of training. And then you assimilate that. And it's like having those batteries of plant consciousness within yourself. So then when you drink the ayahuasca, ayahuasca is a portal, the activator is a doorway. And then those plant diets have multiply your capacity of perception. And then you have more, you know, from a V6, you have V12 within yourself. So you have more, <laughs> you have more power to go in and just to ride the energy of the journey. And with your intention and your concentration, you bring this energy in your songs. You know, the music and the songs are embedded with this plant energy and you bring it forward wow. in the, the ceremonial grounds. Yeah. And so that's what it takes to be a practitioner in this tradition. This reminds me of sort of the letting go of identities and having a highly concentrated experience like being in the jungle, in nature, while merging with these plant medicines and stripping away all of your identities and getting to that that other resource that you were talking about early on in this talk about sort of, you know, finding a new place to pull your goodness or your, your source from, you know, another source that is beyond the identities and beyond the accomplishments, you know, getting in touch with that. That sounds like a highly thorough way of doing that. There's very little you there in that experience to get in the way it feels like. Yeah, yeah, you go through a period of transformation, but you also... From my experience, and I can only relate to that, we Westerners tend to idealize a little bit the spiritual path. And I think the plant medicine and ayahuasca path is a lot of path of power. Yeah. You have, you put yourself in an environment of connection where you go through transformation and you transform your identity. You, like you're saying, you know, you're, you're confronting yourself with your belief system and you have to recalibrate yourself in this bigger grid, yes. let's say, of information <laughs> and interrelations. Yeah. But then you also have to center yourself in what is your intention of doing right. so. Because you gain power, you gain connection, you gain a capacity of being and holding and taking care of others eventually. Yeah. And so there is ethics that go with it. Or Shipibo indigenous people, they have a certain relationship with ethics that is very different than Westerners. You know, it's very interesting, though, that I've been reading about, and especially in the Tibetan tradition, um, but not exclusively. And there's so many traditions where there are these people like you and I, and I'm immersed in the Tibetan tradition, and, and you in the Shipibo, and many others, many other traditions, but that there seems to be this outsider always that comes in that every once in a while, because their their intention is as pure, and they take things uh, as far as you and I have in 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 studying these traditions. Sometimes somebody coming from somewhere else, you know, can really benefit. And the karma is for it to be an outsider to come into a tradition to 
bring more all perspective these and rich somehow it just it brings an element in the culinary aspect of it suddenly it's more tasty it's you know? true there is an enrichment i think when you so look at bob marley yes <laughs> White woman, you know, white. Uh, I think his mother was white and yes. his father was black. You right. Know? And the, one of the founders of the Native American church, Quana Parker, I think his mother was white too. And his yeah. father was Native American Indian. Huh. And the founder of uh, the Native American church, which is a container for the use of peyote, you know, in a, in a church container for only quarter blood native. Yeah. You're not supposed to come to. And I see if you're white. Right, you know? right. Yeah, the founder was half white. It's hilarious. I love it. I mean, every once in a while, these paradoxes really have to expose themselves because the, if the paradox doesn't exist for me in some way, then it doesn't almost have a seal of authenticity to me if there isn't some yeah. sort of paradox. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And, you know, we're, we're in this moment, you know, politics of extremism. Mm-hmm. What's really going to save us is our capacity to blend. Mm, that's and right. I, you know that it is in that mixture that it's much more interesting. It holds a complexity that is integral. Yeah, you know, and not separated somehow. Well, and that re- that reminds me of people are talking about aliens being us, the us that's evolved to be genderless, to be genitalless, to have all these technologies, and that we're coming back here fully evolved humans, or I'm sure you've heard that theory. I mean, actually, I thought about it myself. I don't know if I heard about it. Aliens is such an awesome topic. I had some experiences myself with situation in the medicine, when I'd say the medicine really, really deep in ayahuasca where I felt in connection with beings from another dimension. Yeah. I never had that in this state of consciousness, like right here. But the experience that I had was so incredible. That night, the medicine was very strong. <laughs> Usually, when, when you drink ayahuasca, for me, you know, I had all this vision and all this connection, and I had those downloads, and I had those emotional breakthroughs, and sometimes my own struggles. But this night, I didn't have time for any of it. I had this kind of engine bzz, coming in my ears, and I was catapult in a different dimension. Wow. And I was just, it was very calm. I was witnessing somehow in my perception this huge spaceship. When I say huge, you know, it was the size of Texas. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and I was like so amazed to be able to feel the thing moving above my head and watching the cities and the lights and that energy and realizing, wow, they are coming. This is it, you know? Yeah. We're going to have this connection happening, this encounter. And then I realized, no, they're already here. They're just (laughs) in a different dimension. Right, right. The power of that journey catapulted me and I had access to something that is already here, you know. And of course, all of this happened in an ayahuasca trip. Thank you for listening to this podcast. (laughs) Don't try to do that. I don't recommend you to drink a bit of ayahuasca. It's not recommended. This is the same (laughs) warning they give before Jackass episodes. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> Don't try and attempt this ayahuasca alien trip at home, kids. We're not yes. responsible. You know, I was with somebody the night that I sat with you who who had that experience. You had an alien experience. He did three nights with you. I did one. And on his third night, that was his experience of d- direct but, contact. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting, of course, is the connection and the perceptions that I had and that person had. Yeah. But most important is how do you bring that home and how you stay with the perspective and you stay pragmatic and you stay logical and you don't get disturbed mm. by this kind of information, which has been a lot a very important teaching for me as a practitioner. Oh, sure. We live in this reality. We live in this embodiment. We live in this connection of the now. Yeah. And we don't live in an ayahuasca vision. We don't live in this journey. We don't live in this reality, you know. Yes. I'm a father of five children. Yeah. I know what is reality. Yeah. You know, <laughs> your kid is sick at three in the morning, you know, and this is life. Yes, This man. is what's important, right? Yes, that's right. And so... It's very important to whatever experience we have to make sure we're rooted in this also in this life here. We can have the tendency in this emergent of psychedelic culture now to just make stories and just live in something that is not rooted. The beauty is to be able to operate from one to the other. Yeah. Have discernment and the perception of the wind is blowing. I just made an offering to the earth. Yeah. Is it an answer to my offering? Or is it just me tripping in my head? God, that's beautiful. Yes. What I heard in there also is that it sounds like no matter what the experience is, is how do you integrate that? Don't make these, leave these to be peak experience. I took ayahuasca with this shaman and I saw aliens and holding on to that image without some utility around where it can be absorbed into your day-to-day life. And there is... There is, we don't even have to look that far. I could find a way right now that having an an alien vision like that could integrate into my day to day, you know, but it takes, I guess that mentorship, you know, a lot of people run off to the jungle, they have these experiences and then their peak experiences and then they don't integrate it or they don't have a system in place to integrate it. And so it becomes just another peak experience and a reference point in their life, but not a greater reality. I'm so happy you're, you're, we're meeting today because we both went over this period, seven years in, yeah. in our own personal journey. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and today I'm very much rooted more so into that. Beautiful. You know? How do we apply the ceremonies? How do we apply this wisdom in everyday life to be connected and stay in connection with you know, nature as resonance, nature as energy, nature as a container of the sacred. Yes. And also, how do we do this together? Yes. We're, we're such in a culture of separation. There is a language, you know, everything, all the teachings for me comes back to language. Yes. When a Lakota takes his chanupa, his sacred pipe, and put it together as one, it is a portal to the prayer, to the, the spirits. Mm. When Shipibo drinks the medicine and then is in the grid of the kernel of the vision, he connects with the invisible. Mm. You know, when the Mohawk woman go to the source of the water and pray, she hears life in the water. Beautiful. You know? And so there is that language that all those lineage, whatever lineage we talk about. You That's know, right. This indigenous groups, there's this capacity. It is in our DNA as human being. We all are come from the earth. We all somehow 
are part of the sacred dance, you know. We all come from the tribe back in the days. Yes. And we have evolved in different ways. You know, you and I are part of this Western culture that has re-embraced, rediscovered ways as we've dedicated our life to study and connect and pray and engage. And there's a fabric also of the language of the space itself. Yes. That we can discover and rediscover. Yes. And, and that's the, the work that I, I feel we will do in the next 20, 30 years. We will rediscover what it is to be together as one, mm. but in a new way, in an evolved way. Yeah. Not coming from the consciousness of the tribe itself, which has its own identity. Yes. But in the rediscovering our identity as human being in that fragmentation. Oh, I love it. I love you know, it. Yes. And hold the oneness that is in between us. Yes. And, and be able to hear the space yes. that we're in. The you. energy of the space itself, the consciousness of it. That's right. That's right. Wow, that's great. I can't believe we're focused on the same thing. <laughs> that's such my point of focus every day is exactly that. The science of the energies of the space and how to utilize not just the energies that you think are in the room through your communication in the form of speaking, but all the forms of communication that are happening in this space at that time. You know, there's so many that we're just overlooking. We just don't know how to see them. We haven't been shown them. And so this idea of mentorship, how is that aspect now a focus? I really was myself more involved in the ceremony aspect because this is where I felt my gift has been. And lately with the psychedelic renaissance emergent, and I saw and identified as clearly the very poor acknowledgements of the indigenous people and the lineage of different medicines that are being used today in the Western world. Right. Salasaban and the Mazatec of Mexico, thousands of years carrying this wisdom and language. Different tribal context of the Amazon with ayahuasca and plant medicine. Yeah. And all the tradition that not necessarily use psychedelics, but just have an incredible capacity of understanding the sacred within nature. So I, I came up with a non-profit, Sacred West Foundation, which, you know, is um, hoping to create uh, a fundraising strategy for having a fund to support medicine family from indigenous lineages and support the preservation of their culture and mm-hmm. their tradition so that can be passed on the next generation. Yes. And at the same time, I've created an educational platform called Metsa Series, where I'm putting free content out there in short tracks. There is about nine introductory tracks, which have placed the context of what I want to talk about. I talk a lot about psychedelics, the different lineage, the different substance the language, yeah. uh, how to approach it, how to be able to recognize which ceremony you go to and what is a medicine person you're going to work with, ask the right questions, and how to orient yourself, yeah. how to navigate the journey, and how to integrate it, what yeah. to bring home, how to cultivate yourself. By the way, I listened to them, and okay. I loved them. I had enough excitement about sitting with you again and seeing you again, but listening to you speak on these groups of three that you put out, you can hear this person, I believe everything that he's saying, it checks out on deeply resonant levels, not just in my intelligence, but my the fabric of my being. 
listening to you, you're a very great speaker, so calm and just full of great information. So I highly suggest people check them out. Metaseries.com. Metaseries.com, that's right. And it's also related to the nonprofit because I talk about a lot of wisdom that was passed on to me through my years of practice and visiting indigenous communities. So I felt important to create free content. Yeah. And people, if they want to donate, they can donate to the nonprofit. That's beautiful. You know, I have more themes coming up. Like I think the first mini course is on We Are Related, which is not about substance, but it's really about ritual and how to engage with life and energy and nature as consciousness. Yes. Then I have a mini course that is coming on Ayahuasca and Dieta, another one coming up on songs and traditional songs and ikados and other plant medicine, another one on integration, yeah. the relationship with economics. I mean, a lot of different themes. All those things, very exciting. The music yeah. is incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, it's yeah. super awesome. The idea is just to really educate more people and then how to come together. Yeah. You know, the intention is that to create a, a community where we could sit together yeah. and use language like now, yeah. but instead of telling a story and exchanging ideas and having a great time together. Yeah, yeah. So point of focus would be the energy that we're in together yeah. and trying to activate that field. Yeah. This is my goal. My goal is really to try to create community and awareness around the origin of this lineage, how people orient themselves, mm-hmm. cultivate themselves, stay connected, mm-hmm. and then how do we do this together? Yes, you know, perfect. We discover what it is in that fabric of life. Yeah, and culture of connection. Yeah, of separation. That's wonderful. These are a lot of opportunities for mentorship to occur. You're offering resources, and this this podcast is one of those. Each podcast is like a little monastery where you can visit it anytime, and there's uh, information based in this person or their tradition, and it's a free resource. Sharing that immediately with people. And having these conversations be accessible is a way, I feel like, even if I don't get direct contact with somebody, that they can benefit ongoingly from mentorship in some way, indirect mentorship, right? Totally. That's been part of the intention. And also, I've, you know, I've came to that observing a little bit how people relate to substances or ritual, and we need to educate more people. Yes, you know, people talk a lot about ayahuasca, this or that or whatnot. Yeah. And they don't even know about plant medicine data. They don't even know what a traditional Shipibo healer practitioner does or can do. Yes. They don't even know that when I drink ayahuasca with someone in the room, I absorb and take on any kind of negative energy that is in the way for them. Yes. It's the job of the healer, you know, wow. that transfer of energy. And I have the capacity, which took me about 15 years to develop, mm-hmm. to read a pathology within some. You can see someone's liver. Yes. You can see someone's cancer. Oh. You can see, you know, yeah. and, and seen it. It's not also a science that is systematic yeah. because there are so many different elements that needs to be taken into consideration when you work with energy. But it is an important source of information that yeah. could be really helpful for the Western science, yes. Western medical physicians. Yeah. 
is to have something more integrated. We should be more curious about those traditions. Definitely. Well, and one of the things that you just talked about, I have a story about sitting with you, and I was sitting with somebody who a couple months earlier had lost his brother, and he's a friend of mine. I was really feeling my friend next to me, and I felt like he needed extra or something, you know, and and. I was hallucinating with my eyes closed, but I was with my eyes open, things were okay. And I felt like I, I watched his brother whisper in your ear to call him up. I watched this whole thing go on. And then as you were doctoring to my friend, his brother was dancing around you both in a circle. Now, you know, tell somebody that you were on ayahuasca or a psychedelic and something like that happened and immediately... Uh, throws throws out the veracity of the claim. Of course, know? of course. <laughs> but 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 yeah. speaking to the thing that you were just talking about a minute ago of seeing someone's lung uh, issue or seeing their cancer or whatever, that was my story of witnessing something like that without even knowing it existed previously. No, it's it's beautiful and it's so important to talk about those things and the authenticity about about it is yeah. very important. It, it's difficult. Because some people take advantage yes. and, and create stories. So we, we mentioned it earlier, you know, how to root and be very clear of the discernment. It's not our culture of origin. So we're entering in a new world and we need to learn how to discern what we're pursuing yeah. and what we're making up. Yeah. The mind is a tricky uh, is a tricky house. There's so much yeah. going on in the mind. Yes. And when someone tells me a story, even me, who's, you know, I, I question right away. Mm-hmm. What did you see? How did you see? What exactly did you perceive? How did it take form? And also evaluate a little bit the container, the person, the ceremony, the substance, everything to make sure it's authentic. Yeah. And when that trust is established, that you know the person has that capacity, then it's, it's extraordinary to think that you can drink a drug, yeah. let's call it, a yeah. substance yeah. that alters your sense of perception and brings a perspective that we beyond anything we could understand is instead of consciousness. Yes. How come we're not going to be curious about this? How come we don't want to cultivate this? How come it is something that we don't want to develop for our children to understand uh, the nature of our connections, our brain capacity, you know? Yeah. It is incredible. It is. It is that that can happen. The emergence of psychedelic science, converting some of these ancient plant medicines synthetically, is this sacrilege in some way, or is this the advancement and the evolution and the paradox that we need to embrace? I know it should all come down to our intention, but companies that are investing millions of dollars in this and uh, pharmaceutical companies, and so what's your take on that? You know, I don't know enough to really have a position right now. I used to be very radical. <laughs> and it's funny enough, I've de-radicalized myself. I don't know if it's a term that exists. Yeah. Usually what happens is the contrary. The more you go, the more you radicalize yourself. You know? True, yeah. <laughs> but, but also my conversation in my mind was like this. Whether I like it or not, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I can get mad about it all I want. Get the F out of here because nobody wants to talk to me. And I can be curious too. And so, okay, what is that actually I don't understand? What is actually that I don't know? What I think is very important, 
and that everybody should do is to take care of the source and the origin of the substance, right. the culture and the language around it. Yeah. And somehow that's what motivated me to create this nonprofit. And hopefully companies that are in the psychedelic world that are making money or have projects to commercialize substances with the intention of helping humanity, maybe, you know, depression, PTSD, all sorts of yes. problems we're facing also can invest in preserving the culture of origin and yeah. making sure that language is understood, uh, articulated, documented, passed on to the next generation. The environment that it needs is protected. So preservation is an important aspect. Yes. And see how we can bridge. Yeah. You know, stay open and curious. My concern with non-natural substance, though there is a lot of poison out there in nature, is the aftermath. I know that ketamine, a lot of friends of mine are doing ketamine trips or ketamine journeys. Yeah. And uh, it's very addictive. Oh, uh, yeah. And there is also a physiological uh, toll. They provide an experience. Yes. That is revealing. Right. Reveals information that then can be Life-changing. Yes. <laughs> and that's the goal, right? It's to reorient it, reorient yourself and uh, you, to have a different direction about the way you think about yourself, the struggles that you have, be more in a motivated, happy, positive, connective. You said something that was so simple and profound about what the psychedelic experience can provide. To know that the earth is spinning, the air is speaking, to have a new relationship with life. Basically realize that life is happening all around you in, in a multitude of ways beyond your bills and your the problems of your apartment or whatever. That there's this relationship to the world that you can have and that can be provided in this shift in the psychedelic right. space. I thought, God, that's yeah. a really great way of describing it. Sometimes we're in that loop and yeah. the same music over and over is in the head and it's hard to get out of it. Yeah. I've been there myself. Yeah. You know, when you just struggle and you you can't find the light within yourself, you feel so stuck. Yes. So then the ritual, the substance kind of opens up, gives you the perspective, you see the horizon, you go above the clouds, oh, the sun exists. Yeah. I'm not only in the fog. Yeah. Then you're being reminded of something. Yes. So that's, let's say, the psychedelic experience. Yeah. Everything's alive. aspects into it. But then how do you keep that true every day? Yeah. How do you orient yourself in that reality? Yes. Yes. The direction, what's above and below, the, the you know, the water within yourself, the, the connection to the earth, you know, the, the motion and movement, you know, everything is always in movement. Your life, yes. emotion always move also and yeah. create that always capacity of movement within yourself, reinventing yourself. Yes. You're just talking about the science of nature, you know, to realize that we have a relationship in that. And that that's also a world that every movement and every motion and every, you know, step through the day, you can have that relationship and realizing that you're on a planet that <laughs> is spinning around and that, you know, we're 68% water and, you know, the trees are breathing and that insect has feelings and <laughs> all that stuff. Something's very simple that can happen in the trip. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think we are in that in that moment right now in our culture, you know, in the Western world, in this postmodern culture of 
highly individuation and we separate ourselves from nature. There is something there yes. to reconnect to. And, and in a very simple way, you know, and it's something that demands a bit of cultivation. Yes. Also, it demands a bit of time. You know, we need to re, uh, you almost need to fake it until you make it. That's right. You know, yeah, I've heard <laughs> you know that. if you go every day and you sit by the, the stream and you sing to the water, you sing to a glass of water, you put some good intention and you drink that water, you bring that energy within yourself and then you orient yourself as life. What is life and the motion and the movement? And you do that and you do that and you do that at some point. Yes. Yes. I'm sure you will find a connection that you're going to discover that That's, is profound. And you described earlier about protecting the traditions in which a lot of these medicines had their origination and usage. It's out of balance. Yeah. We can't say, oh, we're going to use mushrooms and make it legal to help people, you know, uh, that are suffering from depression and, and train people now to do so. Yeah. And not even consider that there's been generation and generation of people somewhere in the world that have a connection or relationship with it, that have a deep wisdom. Yes. And they actually need need support too. Yeah. Their life condition is really hard. The youth, they want the world we have to offer because TV and this and culture has come to their doors. Right. So they need jobs to do that. So they don't have the time anymore to spend with the elders and train and the container, the natural container that it requires to, 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 for this culture to be passed on, for this wisdom to be passed on. Yes. We can help this culture to be preserved. Yeah. And we can learn from them too. The ayahuasca experience, the ego kicked up before sitting with you. It was like going, you're going to do pretty well. I think you're going to do well. You've done a lot of the heavy lifting. You know, um, you've forgiven that person who really hurt you that everybody said you don't have to forgive. You did that. And, You've gotten sober and you've blah, 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 blah. You've done all this stuff and you've been meditating for 10 years now in this tradition, this deep tradition. So I'm sure you're going to be good. Like, just go in and just go, hey, I want to have a conversation with the universe. You know, all these people are coming up with intentions or questions and I'm like going, I don't have one. And so, (laughs) but I bring crystals and stuff. I set up a little area on my mat and, and then I go up to get the pour and drink it and and sit back down on my thing and and uh all, what I didn't know is that night it was like yeah you think you're doing well well how's your attachment to your body because uh-huh. you need this body don't you mr non-attachment mr i've forgiven <laughs> everybody how about we take your body now <laughs> and it was like just ripping my body from me in a slow process over six hours. You know, the crystals that I brought, <laughs> where are they? Like, I mean, that's nothing that you can prepare yourself for. Even the guy who had the story that I've had, it was just like, you think you got something. And how about we just take that last thing that you're really attached to? And it was the scariest night of my life. Right, not no one, nothing can prepare you to that. And what you went through is very rare. It's not something that happened a lot. Oh wow! You know, like ayahuasca, aya in Quechua means death, and wasca means a drunkness. <laughs> so, oh my God. You know, that's the translation, the literal translation. It was Drunk to death. The, of the soul or 
the vine of, of death or the drunkenness of the death, but wow. you basically, it's an ego death. Yes. But in our own filter and interpretation, the ego is so strong. We're so rooted in our identity. Yeah. So oh. when the medicine takes over, that's how it feels. I had wanted to ask you about this too, because uh, as the medicine was coming on and it was wonderful, I mean, it was, it was, I was seeing symbols and shapes and animals it felt like that i'd never seen like just you know everything was closely related to something that maybe i could make out or as a reference in my life but just just different enough and fantastic enough and more vast than anything that all seemed to blend together you know just patterns constantly but getting more and more intense throughout uh the period and and at one point you know i didn't want to leave the cot you know, because I was told, like, stay in here as much as you can and sort of, but I, I finally had to go because I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And I went and just a really difficult bathroom experience, but, but I raced back to my cot. And so I pounded this water and sat back down. And after a little bit of time, I just started purging like nuts to the point of it squeezing me beyond what I thought I, I would still exist if it squoze me that hard, you know, just, uh. and, um, at the point of where I'm dying, finally, the bucket knocks over on me. So I'm, I'm laying on my cot covered in my puke, letting go of my body. And it felt like, like this is death. This is, I'm covered in my own filth and I'm letting go of my body, my children, everything, because I'm, that's the next thing to do, I guess. That's what I'm being ushered to. And through that letting go, truly the biggest letting go I've ever had, I was brought back with a huge breath. And it was like, it showed me how within each breath, it said is like a lifetime. There's a lifetime in each breath. They're just, when you don't have breath, you realize like how valuable it is and how we're just being pounded with our true wealth in life every day. This oxygen is just like, it's vast, it's here, you know, and being shown the value of breath in that moment, I got brought back and, and lived. And that was incredibly, I mean, it just changed, it changed my life forever to die and to live again, to really let go at that level. And it's a great reminder to just be grateful to the medicine. Mm. And because it's a medicine who did it. Yes. I was just there in service of the medicine. I mm. sat behind that medicine. And without that medicine, the experience wouldn't have been there. Yeah. And so to be very grateful for that and all the generation of people who've kept that alive. Yes. And so then it was passed on to us. And now how we have an obligation to try to preserve it, educate it, and, and make sure that people are safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because when something like this happens, you're going to be taken care of. Yes. Three months later, I came back and I sat with you again. And in this time, I went up and I asked you, I said, you know, I think I'm going to have a little less this time. Do you listen? <laughs> because you're well, supposed to know better yeah. than me. So I go, I've always you know, wondered. It, the, the question about tolerance is interesting. Ayahuasca depends how it's made. You know, what kind of ayahuasca is being used? You know, you have the yellow ayahuasca, you have the red ayahuasca, you know, you have Camaranti, which is a little different sky ayahuasca. Wow. Uh, then the kind of chacruna that's being used, how it was made, who made it, what kind of concentration. And that is for the practitioners to know. Yes. 
So he knows the medicine he's providing. He has a relationship with what he's providing. Yes. But between the first sit and the second sit, it might be a different concentration. Right. Oh. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is yourself. Yes. Where are you are in your energy? Where are you in your life? You know, mm. how is your body? You know, wow. how have you prepared for the night? Uh, do you have, uh, you know, have you eaten a lot or have you done some cultivation or are you a sensitive person or you have a strong resistance? Whatever is going on. Gotcha. So there is an energetical, physiological, emotional aspect of the participant. And then there is a container mm. of the room. Yeah. Who's here in the circle? Yeah. Who's your neighbor? Yeah. Uh, is a woman on their moon time or is someone is having a strong energy next to you, having a lot of problem? Uh, what's the level of vibration of the place we're in? Yeah. And then there's a constellation of the night. Yeah. Is it a new moon? Is it a full moon? Uh, what's going on in the energy, you know, around us on the earth right now or the, the constellation that we're under. And that also plays, plays a role I've observed over the years. And mm. I think about all those things. Yeah. You know, people ask to drink less. You have a cup that you work with and the medicines that you know and, and you feel and you, you listen to yourself and you experience and you pour in relation to that. Yeah. And then what's supposed to be given is given, you know. Sometimes you write on it. Sometimes yeah. it's more than what the person was hoping. And it seems to be working out. Yeah. Most of the time it has been for me. Yeah. And, and sometimes when it's not enough, then there's always the opportunity to ask for more. Well, I always thought it was ridiculous that I asked for a little. And that's why I was asking. It's sort of like I'm going and I'm telling you. And I always since have trusted that whatever you did in that evening was exactly right because the result is this. Here I am all these years later. And I've named this thing, and my greatest life's inspiration is the term love is the author. And it came from sitting with you. I mean, it came from sitting with the medicine and the elders through you and all the traditions through you. But you were the ambassador of that moment. And so it's been incredible to host you now, all these years later, and ask that question, you know. You've done it thousands of times. Do you drink every ceremony? Is it contingent upon you drinking? Not necessarily anymore. In my process of apprenticing, uh, when I start to drink, I had some very powerful ceremonies that showed me the potential of what can do, what this can do for others and yeah. the relationship that I could have with it. Yeah. But then it took me a long time to acquire maybe four or five years, you know, drinking regularly to stabilize my apprenticeship. Yes. And then when I start to really grow, uh, I had to drink quite a bit to be able to have access to information. But then it, it was all too much or not enough, you know. And when it was too much, then it was hard because you feel very overwhelmed and then you see too much and then you have to hold the space for others and you have to deal with other people's energy. And it's it's hard work, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of heavy lifting sometimes that happen in ceremony, if I yes. may say. And then at some point... It doesn't matter anymore. You're just in the middle of, it's almost like the Matrix movie where you see the bullets coming at you and you just grab them and just remove them. <laughs> but you're just in, in, in this relationship because you have that confidence within yourself and your leather yeah. has been a low tan. That's you know, true. You're, you, you can take the rain, you can take the heat, you know, you have more capacity to absorb it all. Yes. 
And then your sensitivity also is higher. And now, sometimes I don't need to drink and I'm, 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 I'm having the journey just in pouring the medicine. I bet. Which is extraordinary. There's this energetical transmission. Yeah. As soon as I pour the medicine in the cup, I start to yawn. We know that ayahuasca makes you <laughs> yawn a lot. Yeah. So my body is already in this kind of receptivity. Yes. And of course, if I drink... I will see much more than if I don't. Okay, I didn't know that, of course. Yeah, that's I'm good. I'm considering myself still pretty young in the field. Okay. You know, I have 26 years of drinking medicine, maybe 2006. Yeah. My teacher has 55 years sitting. Wow. And so I'm halfway. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> I think it's like anything, you know. I, I assume in your meditation practice, First, it was really hard to meditate, you know. Oh, the yeah. First minutes, it was just like oh, excruciating. You know? And then, then you were able to push to 45 minutes to an hour and get to this space of quiet, yes. you know, an empty void and just really be. And then you're able to get there faster. But you have, you have that built capacity within yourself, which becomes part of you. Yes. So there is this embodiment experience that I think is always very important to remind everyone. Yeah. It's not because you are thrown into an experience of sorts that suddenly this experience is rooted within yourself. Yeah. To root it within yourself, you still need to go through time, which is part of the difficulty of what we're experiencing as a culture. Yes, that's right. Everything comes in time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I ask about tolerance because there's been a necessity in taking the medicine in this particular tradition until it's no longer a necessity. Not everyone is involved in a tradition like that, but they're doing it at the same kind of rate that maybe you were. And I wonder, what do you recommend for people who think that they still need to ceremony and ceremony? I think the dieta is very important and not a lot of, not all the tradition with ayahuasca talk about the dieta. So the dieta, there is a, the diet to prepare for ceremony, which is not so strict. But there's a dieta, which is a time where you you go in nature to connect with a plant. Yeah. plant we call it master plant. You know, we have a lot of master plant too up, up here, like sage, willow, oak, uh, cedar. Yes. And there are different ways to be prepared. Sometimes you bath, sometimes you drink, sometimes you're, you know, uh, you use Sweat. them in different ways. And that is going to accelerate your connection to the plant medicine world. Mm. And it's going to shift your relationship with ayahuasca. You know, mm. it's going to sensibilize you even more. Mm. And I think also meditation should always be there. Yeah. Cultivation to meditation, you know, turn off the buzz, listening yes. to the space as your own body is a box. And so the empty your head of all the buzz and being that felt sense. And then there's a container of where we are, the earth, the water underneath, the sky above, the direction, so to listen to that energy. So only through the silence, you know, through the meditation, we're going to be able to be in that felt listening, to not always have to come back to the medicine, because you work on yourself to a certain point, and then you go and help others, maybe, so yes. you can pass it on. Are you suggesting that if people do it in a more traditional way and do the dieta... The dieta will accelerate something that would facilitate a healing and a connection. Beautiful. So then their relationship with the tea will evolve. Mm. And be, that evolution will accelerate through the dieta. Gotcha. So 
the dieta is definitely an important container. Mm-hmm. But then it really depends also of the context mm-hmm. and how the medicine is being used. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Today, the ramification in the world of ayahuasca is pretty complex. You have the Brazilian churches that emerged in the early 1900s. There's the Santo Daime and Union do Vegetal and Barquinha, which are churches that extracted the ayahuasca as its source of origin. Oh, the wow. Indigenous culture and created a more religious elements in it. Oh. And huge communities have grown around the world. Yeah. And in Brazil in particular, using ayahuasca in that context and you have the more animistic shamanistic tradition from ecuador colombia and peru yeah who also are expanding and are different and similar yeah uh, and then you have the emergence in our culture of using ayahuasca just as a container of connection and beauty mm. where music is being played and people are just connecting but there's not necessarily work on your body and connection to nature and i believe that it's important to put into applications and integrate the teachings that are revealed in ceremony mm. how does it going to change your relationship to your neighbor and yourself how That's is right. it going to change your relationship to nature as sacred if you went to an ayahuasca ceremony like you and you you died mm-hmm. and although you became aware that the wind can speak to you and tell you what's going on or that the water is life yeah you know and you're not applying this to some degree to everyday life then you're an hypocrite yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or maybe not. But at some point, you know what you know. What are those medicines for? Right, right. Uh, we also, how do we come together? How do we make a better world out of this? You yeah. Know, how do we apply it? So Beautiful. that sense of connection, that sense of connectivity. Yes. How do we make it in this world? What are we going to leave behind for the children? That's right. Contact your record that people can hear anywhere. That the first time I heard it. After sitting with you, um, I was driving and I had to pull over because it reactivated the medicine. Kaya and things were getting very blurry on the 101 freeway going south so i had to pull over and and it took me right back to sitting with you um and it's an incredible record and your your voice is beautiful it is just a element of nature it's so natural I always wanted to be a musician. As a kid, I think I had that inner sensitivity, but it was not the container in the family. And, you know, it was very disorganized for me as a child. So um, I was more like self-taught. 
you know, yeah. listened to a lot of music as a kid, older brother, you know, very much in the early parties, but also jazz, black music, yes. African, France and Paris is really a crossing of all those different cultures. Yes. Lots of English beats and of course all the American influence. Right on. But then I traveled to India and Nepal at the age of 15. I went to Indi Indonesia at 17, uh, twice Thailand. So I had this whole world culture, world music very yeah. strong in me. Yeah. I wanted to be a percussionist, you know, hand yeah. drum, uh, congas. And so I went to Brazil and learned to play bilimbao, play capoeira and be like more in the spiritual musical aspect. So when I came to the medicine, it felt natural, but mm. I was not a singer originally. And yeah. uh, I'm grateful that it really through the medicine that I developed the skills. I'm working on a second album. Oh, uh, It's going to come out soon. Great. And I'm, I'm trying also to insert some instruments and do some experimentation. There's a, a project of a, an art piece that is uh, a mini movie on Ayahuasca Visions with some hip hop beat that might go to the moon in a, a art capsule. And wow. so there's all those different avenues that we're exploring. It's really, really cool. That's so cool. If you had to say one thing, what's it all come down to? All this work that you've done, the traditions and the studies and the trips that you've taken in, the regular life experience, what's it all shown you very simply? What's the most dear to me right now, it's really the discovery of what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. And this incredible potential that we have as human beings to come together as one yes. that we haven't fully discovered yet. That is, I believe that we are in this time. It's happening. Our consciousness is coming to this capacity of evolution where it's up to us. Yeah, man. You know, it's up to us to, to the next step. Yes. To, to show up to what it is to be together, mm -hmm. to understand that our differences makes our richer mm -hmm. and that there is a space in between where we all one. Perfect. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Metza. Thank you so much thank for being you, thank here. Thank you for your time and we'll be in touch. Okay. okay? Sounds good. Let's keep talking. Much love. Much love. Bye.